High Noon with George Hook. Thanks to ClaytonHotels.com with 17 hotels across Ireland and the UK. Got a lovely text um, from a listener. I well remember George getting lectures in Trinity in the late 90s from the lovely Ingrid. Uh, the question was on leeches and maggots. In fact, I think she asked a question on maggots for the final pharmacognosy exam. Thank you so much. Bye. I'll ask her about that. But also, she has discovered, belatedly, Netflix and now is absolutely glued to a thing called the Keepers. Uh, which is about sexual abuse in the Boston Archdiocese and also the murder of a nun. And our former students, now in their middle age, are trying to find out what happened. And apparently, it, all seven episodes are riveting, so she says. So anybody else watching it, you might let me know at 53106. Well... Uh, we're off to Washington, D.C. now to uh, be joined by uh, Michael Graham. Michael, welcome to the program. Always glad to talk to you, jo- George, although not under circumstances like this. No, of course not. But uh, there are mixed views on Donald Trump's, first of all, his speech post the Manchester uh, affair. I actually thought, like, Trump isn't Barack Obama, so he speaks in a much more simplistic way. How did you think the speech went? Look, anytime you're calling these despicable, murderous dirtbags evil losers, I'm going to be generally on your side. You know, uh, Donald Trump and eloquent are not phrases that bump into each other. I just want to say that I'm just tired of this conversation. I'm so tired. It goes the same way an Islamic whack job commits a hideous act of violent murder in the name of his vision of his religion. It is not everybody's vision of his religion. It's not even a majority's vision of his religion, but it is his. It is shared by millions of people. And then I have to listen to people who constantly tell me how stupid I am because I'm conservative and how unnuanced I am because I say evil losers talk and talk and talk and talk and talk about how this has nothing to do with Islam and what is what's the real cause. We don't know and don't jump to conclusions and it could be a tea partier. And then, of course, it's Allahu Akbar. All right. And then they all shrug and then they move on. But I Everybody knows what the source of the problem is. Everybody knows it. And it's pure cowardice that keeps the people of Ireland and Europe and the UK from confronting it. Pure I did cowardice. Te- no, no. I did tell you, I, and I told you repeatedly, that uh, Bush's uh, invasion of Iraq would simply create an unstable world, and it has. I mean, yeah, I mean, because, of course, nothing happened before the invasion of Iraq. I mean, it's not like people were flying airplanes into buildings and killing three. Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like we had uh, 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 nightclubs bombed. It's not like we had ships bombed before. Oh, wait. Yes, we did. Look, I mean, you can argue about whether the right way to fight the cultural war between the culture of violence that is inspired by a certain brand of Islam is to try to affect political change by creating allies for Western values in the Middle East. That seems like a reasonable idea to me, but okay, so no one agrees, fine. But you can't say that the problem of of Islamist-inspired violence started after 9-11. It obviously didn't. 
Okay, but what about the latest visitation then, and an arms deal with Saudi Arabia? Where where do you think America? Because this isn't about about the president, really. This is about America, because he is America. Uh, how do you think um, the visit to the, the the Middle East went from your point of view? Well, this quickly interrupt. Donald Trump is not America. He's just the president. It's a job. We give it to people. Sometimes we give it to good people. Sometimes we give it to not so good. But people. he represents it but now. Well, he's the government. I mean, he's the he's the he's the president. He has a job, and the policy of the Trump administration appears to be. And there's a great conversation with uh, Steve Hayes of the Weekly Standard at this on our latest podcast at WeeklyStandard.com. Appears to be that he's going to pick sides among the not great actors and make Iran the bad guy. That Iran is the place to start. Iran is the the most dangerous enemy. Obviously, the problem is that Iran and Shia Islam and subsects of Shia Islam are not the only source of, of, uh, is, of theolog- theologically inspired violence. Obviously, Al-Qaeda is a Sunni organization. ISIS is a Sunni organization. So uh, there's, you know, you've got, it's, it's not going to end there. But he's picking a team and he's saying, we're going to go solve, try to solve this problem. And he is acting like a guy who understands. I hesitate to say that President Trump understands anything, but he is acting like a guy who understands that you have to have allies to do this. And so the coalition would it looks like the Gulf states, the uh, the uh, Sunni states plus Israel in the middle Mideast versus the you know Persian is uh, a Shia world. I don't like the fact that we live in that world, but it. Once again, it okay. doesn't seem like a dumb way to approach the problem. I also thought that his speech where he said specifically to the theologians, you have got to tell these people that they are not going to be rewarded in heaven. You have got to tell them they are going to be, quote, full, their souls will be fully condemned. I thought that was a particularly powerful comment. But it's very difficult for him, surely, to leave the Middle East, uh, that part of the Middle East, uh, the Arab Middle East, and then go straight to Israel. And Israel is the place they want to wipe, and they've wanted to do it since 1947. They've wanted to wipe off the face of the earth. So, I mean, he can't, I mean, successive American presidents have had difficulty because America's support has always been, with the exception of Obama, has been uh, trenchantly in support of Israel. And yet, at the same time, we've had a long-standing uh, relationship with Egypt that goes back to Jimmy Carter in the 1970s. We have had a long-standing relationship with Saudi Arabia of some kind, and it's a look. I mean, it's 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 a complicated part of the world. No one is going to say that America has you know, gotten everything right or even close to right. And there probably is no way to get it all right because it's such a messy part of the world. But clarity helps. You saw what happened under eight years of Obama blaming Christians for the Christian violence. And you know, we had the Crusades and Hillary Clinton and her idiotic statement on television. Muslims have no connection whatsoever to terrorism. I mean, this is, how could you be that stupid and feed yourself? So after eight years of that fiasco, what did you get? The rise of ISIS, the, the, uh, the disaster in Iraq, the uh, spread of global terrorism, terrorism coming straight to Paris, to coming straight to the United States. And again and again, 
the rest of the West looks around and says, well, we're not going to get in this fight. We're not going to say that there's a problem related to Islam. No, no, no. And as long as you remain gutless cowards and won't join in to support the good guys, I don't see how this ends except for a nonstop trickle of attacks like what happened in Manchester. But we have to go back to all the way to 9-11, as many people are reminding me, carried out by Saudis. And, yes. And, and, but then also, the, the, one of the key parts of, of Trump's visit to the Middle East is an arms deal. Right. No, I absolutely agree. This is why this is not a fight between nation states. It's not a fight between Islam and the West. There are plenty of Muslims in the Middle East who are happy to move forward with the West, who share you know, enough values to, to get along. And you know, it's like the rest, the rest of the world, lots of different people with different ideas. There's a subset inside the set. And you've got it is absolutely true that the only people who can solve this in the big picture are the Muslims themselves. It is up to the Muslim world to decide how they're going to handle this problem. They need a theological revolution, kind of like the one that the Catholic Church went through a few hundred years ago, kind of like the one the Mormon religion went through about a hundred years ago. It has to happen with them. But what the West can do is can say, we pick sides. We are clearly picking sides with people with a vision of Islam. But there is no sense, I have to say, there is no sense of a theological uh, revolution within Islam, even in Ireland. I mean, um, we have uh, the the Muslim uh, temples that do not condemn atrocities. We here in Ireland have that. Um, of course you do. Listen, right, right now, the majority of Muslims in the world support executing apostates, the killing people because they relieve their religion. A majority. That's a problem. Now, the fact is, the vast majority of those Muslims live in countries where it doesn't happen, where it's just, uh, you know, uh, it's an old rule from an ancient day. They need to be confronted with that. They need to be confronted with, hey, you guys have too many places where violence is okay. And you don't understand that by leaving any room for violence, you create room for that tiny minority within your group that then seizes on violence as, as a form of jihad and lives it out. We have the uh, Harvard cleric for the students when I lived in Boston a few years ago said publicly that whether or not it was okay to murder people for being apostates depended on what country you live in. No, it doesn't. It's always wrong to murder people for their beliefs. Always. And that's the revolution that Islam needs to go through. And the longer that Western gutless weasel uh, 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 liberals let them off the hook and say, well, it's not really theology and it's really poverty or something else, blah, blah, blah. Uh The less pressure on the vast majority of moderate Muslims of good Goodwill, less pressure on them to deal with this right. trouble. It's going to be trouble. I know you blame us for everything, but I, I was astonished uh, to discover how many public schools in America are now embracing Muslim culture as part of their daily teaching process. So, like, there is an element that says, in, in, I mean, what happens if, if Christians did so much of this kind the stuff they will well they are pilloried anyway but they will be <laughs> pilloried even more how about this if uh christian nations were slaughtering the muslim citizens who live there there would be a huge outcry among the european left but 
right now and for the past eight years, Christians have been wiped out across the Middle East, the birthplace of Christianity. And it's once, once again, I'm not blaming gutless weasel Europeans for the fact that, you know, that this is happening. I'm blaming their silence. How can you be silent? People who want, literally want to yell at me because I won't ride a bike to work have nothing to say about the wholesale slaughter of people because of their faith, because they're afraid of being called xenophobic. They're afraid of sounding like Michael Graham. This is about politics and, 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 and the way people view themselves, their, you know, their self-referential culture. It has nothing to do with right and wrong. Bibi Netanyahu pointed out today that if this attacker had committed this attack in Israel, the Palestinian Authority would be paying his family thousands of dollars a month in, perpe- in per- perpetuity because that's their policy. Well, they do the, it right the, now. Dublin City Council has, is, is intending to fly the Palestinian flag. So, I mean, I, uh, I don't think what you're saying is, is utterly wrong. The, uh, it's interesting that Dublin City Council, there's going to be a proposal before Dublin City Council that Chelsea Manning be made a freeman of the city. <laughs> Chelsea Manning, who helped terrorists kill people, Remember no, that. I don't That's want to go there because I went there long enough, you know. But I'm just saying, it, this is Ireland, and we will, ne- next week or the week after, when I'm walking by Dublin City Hall, the centre of administration of this great city, the Palestinian flag is going to be flying over my head. So and here's a question. Here's a question. How many Parises will it take? How many uh, Charlie Ebdos will it take? How many San Bernardinos, gay clubs in Florida, Ariana Grande concerts will it take? Before the uh, pacifist by nature, scared by virtue, Europeans finally say, okay, Graham is right. We have to get in this fight. We have to start talking about the problem inside Islam to encourage the moderate majority to confront it. When will that happen? How much blood will it take? Obviously, the answer is more. I'm just curious how much more. Well, interestingly, in a radio interview in the last number of weeks, I actually uh, described myself as possibly an Islamophobe because obviously I have deep <laughs> concerns. No, I have deep concerns, as you have, about, about this, these kind of terrorist attacks. And then I, I get a letter from a well-meaning organization that says, you know, we'll meet you, George, and we'll put you straight. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll clear your mind. I don't want well, my me- mind cleared. Well, I don't. I mean, is it the Scientologists you're talking about, or is it a Muslim organization? No, no, it's neither. But I'm not. I'm not prepared to name them. Oh, okay. But okay. but well-meaning, utterly well, well-meaning. Sure. Sure. Because um, it's always easier to deny the frightening evil that has to be confronted. It's easier to hope that it goes away. I mean, uh, for people who were alive in the post-World War One era, you, you talk, you, today people always ask, how is it possible for the Nazis to rise up? Well, one was just plain old fear. People didn't want to believe that they were going to have to go through the horror that they had just gone through in the 19-teens. They didn't, they just, they just didn't, it's, it's ugly. It's awful. No one wants to deal with it. I get that. This is all human nature. But this has been 15 years now of the same problem, killing people the same ways, just new technology. And the answer is always, well, whatever it is, it's not Islam. Okay, but it is also, Michael, it is also 15 years since he landed on the aircraft carrier and said, you know, it's all over, mission Mission accomplished. accomplished. 
I look. I absolutely agree with you. I no, the uh, you know the fact is that in every conflict, the good guys make mistakes. The good guys screw up. Look at all the wor- mistakes in World War II. Um, you know th- it happens. I so I agree with you. Mistake, mistake, mistake. You can argue about Iraq. I you know I I still say the biggest mistake was getting out. Imagine how different the world would have been the last eleven uh, eight years if we had a large U.S. military force in Iraq similar to the one in South Korea. It would make the world different. Imagine if the West gathered together to help support the moderates in Iraq instead of taking more joy in attacking America. Imagine if we put everything aside except for fighting the bad guys and most importantly, supporting the Muslims who are fighting the bad guys because they're there and we could be supporting them. But instead, we can't say the I word and the killings will continue. And you and I know, George, we are going to have this conversation again and probably it's not going to be that long. Sadly. Michael Graham, thank you so much for joining me from Washington. We look at Leo Varadkar's suggestion in a moment that uh, certain services, essential services, uh, should not go on strike. And of course, Barry Kenny. The America's Cup is starting shortly and Barry Kenny is going to tell me all about Bermuda, where it's taking place.